we felt that a lot of magazines, but there wasn't a magazine that I felt was socially conscious or had a social responsibility that they were held accountable for that was also high fashion. You're listening to the founder of More Magazine, Ariana Cruz, who has made a big impact on the Indianapolis community at a young age. Ariana is my guest on this episode of Michael Loves Indie. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Michael Loves Indy. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Ariana Cruz, who's quickly becoming one of Indianapolis's most impactful civic and community leaders at a young age. She's the founder of More Magazine and is the director of marketing and outreach for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Indiana. A little bit about our guest, Ariana Cruz. She grew up in a military family, which relocated from California to Bluffton, Indiana, when Ariana was young. She uh, went to IUPUI, chose to stay in Indianapolis, and among other things, has founded the magazine More, which stands for making opportunities reachable for everyone. I hope you can get your hands on a copy at the time of recording this interview. Um, Moore was working on its fifth issue. It is a fashion magazine, but it's also dedicated to the community with a mission of personal empowerment. And it draws from an incredibly diverse group of models and contributors. And Ariana is just one of these young people that you meet with incredible work ethic. She's got a definite point of view about Indianapolis. And, you know, she didn't ask for anybody's permission. She just shows up and produces and brings people together. And I think you really get that from our conversation. So um, excited to see what the future holds for Ariana personally and for this up and coming generation of leaders in Indianapolis. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ariana Cruz. So I wanted to talk to you because you're, um, you can't be categorized. And I mean that as a compliment and you started a magazine, you didn't ask for anybody's permission, you know, and it's fantastic. I mean, it looks like, and I told you this when we met, I mean, it looks like something you'd see in like New York or Los Angeles. I mean, more magazine and we'll get into that. It's fantastic, but it's like, you just, um, you're doing your thing and just like, you know, here I am. And, you know, you've got a great leadership position with big brothers, big sisters. So I'm just interested in kind of getting into sort of your origin story and sort of, but I also want to get to like your, I know you have a lot of thoughts about what you want the city to be. Is that fair? Now, am I, am I hitting all the right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fair. And I mean, I have, I feel like everyone has dreams of like what they want the city to be. And it's really cool because I feel like at this time with all these young leaders and new businesses popping up, it does feel like everyone's dreams are kind of aligning and everyone's working together in this beautiful collaborative way. So yes, many dreams of all sorts, um, especially for indie, but a lot of them are quickly, I feel like coming true, which is really exciting. Yeah. Well, and it's all, it's like, it's, it's easy to get depressed now about, um, the political situation and like all the divisiveness, but I feel like you're, you're in this again, I, I don't mean to sound like you're, category, but you're in this group of these young entrepreneurs that are sort of operating above it. You know, you're kind of like that. Yeah, that all that's happening, but we're going to do our thing. Yeah. I don't know. Is that. Yeah. It, I think that'd be fair to say. I feel like whenever I talk with my writers, we always tackle topics that are sometimes harder topics, but every time we approach it, all of us want to 
look at the topic from a solution-based point of view. So it's like, yes, this is happening, but what can we do collectively? What can we do individually to help move more light forward? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause your stuff like with more magazine, I feel like it's challenging. Like it's, it's not, you're not pulling punches, but there's, but like you said, it's like, we're, we're doing stuff. It's hopeful. You know, you're working toward a solution. I love that. Um, let's start with your origin story. Cause it's not, it's not exactly like anybody I've ever met. Cause you're, you, you were born in California and, um, both from your father's side of the family and your mother's side of the family have very unique immigration stories, right? Yeah. So my dad is from the Philippines. So that's how we ended up in California for that part of my life. And then on my mom's side, my grandpa is from Mexico, along with um, some other family members on her mom's side. So it's been very humbling to learn more about my culture and the background. I've talked with other friends more recently about how growing up, I felt like outside of the food, I didn't have a lot of either side truly woven in to my life. And part of it was my parents were active duty military. So they were just deployed a lot but both your mom and your dad mm-hmm. were active okay yep they both did 20 years air force and i am so thankful for it. i mean it helped with college it helped with yep. a number of things and so as i've gotten older and when i came to iepy i was beside myself when i realized that there was a multicultural center that had a lot of other students who were also in my shoes and yep. wanting to explore that side of them that they hadn't gotten to and so it's been really fun to integrate more of my cultural identity with who I am and it's kind of merging into one and even with my interns through the magazine we talk about it a lot a lot of our interns are first generation women and we normally have them during their freshman or rising sophomore summer year and it's a topic that I feel like is more on on more minds than what I would have thought because I feel like growing up in that kind of situation with the balance of having not one other cultural background but like two of them on both sides it's it's hard sometimes to find the balance of feeling like filipino enough or mexican enough yep and then also being american and so like wanting to feel american enough but obviously looking different than a lot of other people yeah so it's been a journey was there um was spanish or tagalog uh prominently spoken in the house my mom spoke Spanish a lot whenever my abuela or my abuelo would come visit in California and even when we moved here, but I didn't get the chance to learn it, honestly, until high school. I remember my dad at one point was trying to teach me some Tagalog, but then he was deployed for six months, and so we had started it for a few weeks, and then he was gone. And so yep. I wasn't necessarily around someone I could practice with regularly. So I'm getting married next year, and we're going to have a lot of our um, Hispanic family come in. And so I've been working on it, and my partner's been working on his Spanish as well. So it is something that, like, as I plan for my future and, like, future family, it is something I want to be heavily integrated, including, like, the food and, like, the dancing and the clothes and everything like that. Um, I never asked you this about your parents, but it's like, so I have a lot of military personnel in my family as well, and it's like, for um, so many of the people that put the kind of years in that your your parents did, it's hard work, but sometimes they're able to retire when they're still young and have a lot of years. Are your parents still military personnel? They're not. My mom switched to a civilian job on a base for a while, and then she ended up getting out of it. She wanted, she's teaching now, cool. so she's doing something a little lighter with her life and my dad is very left side thinking and so he's an engineer now so they both are out and doing different things but I think it pushes them and challenges them in lighter ways than and do you have before. siblings I do I have one brother okay yeah so and at some point um 
think I think you were still in elementary school. Family decides to move from California to the Midwest, mm-hmm. to Indiana. Yes. Specifically? Um, Bluffton, Indiana. And Bluffton is known for um, Mennonite. Is it? Is I'm trying to think. I, I should I should know my towns, but it's like well, a Dutch. Uh, they're, they're like uh, there's a lot of Dutch immigrants uh, came to Bluffton. I know you know 150 years ago, but yeah. um, it's a population. Uh, I don't know 20,000 or so. Somewhere. I honestly wouldn't know. I mean, it definitely feels like everyone knows everyone yeah, and yeah. everything going on, <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah, they, there is, like, the Swiss Festival that's yeah. in Bern, which is really close to us. A lot of the cities, I always tell people I'm from the Fort Wayne area. Yeah, Fort Wayne's, like... No one ever knows where Bluffton is. Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny. I feel like there have been more people in Indianapolis that I've said, oh, I'm from Fort Wayne, and they're like, oh, like, which high school? And I'll tell them, and they're like, that's not Fort Wayne. Oh, but then I'm like, oh, so you know actually where that is. I feel like, and I'm, I'm not, I've been here in Indiana 20 years, but I feel like, um, I feel like Bluffton, I know what you mean, it's near Fort Wayne, but then it... It has its also has its kind of its own identity. Mm-hmm. I'm imagine so I'm married to a Bay Area native, and I know I don't want to say it was culture shock for her. And Helen's actually her family immigrated from Iran, so um, um, but but it is coming to the Midwest is different. So, and I've heard you speak about this before. What was that like going from California to the Midwest? Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, it was a culture shock. I remember. We came here because my grandma wasn't doing well, and so we ended up staying here, um, obviously, for the rest of my life thus yep. far. But I remember being, like, the only kid of color probably until, like, third grade, second grade, something like that. Yeah. And that was definitely hard. I remember I took some miso soup to school one time, and I took it in a thermos, and so I added the miso packet at lunch because I didn't want my tofu to get soggy and whatever. And... I remember I got so many looks and people are like asking what it was and from I just felt so uncomfortable and so singled out and maybe it wasn't even necessarily mean at the time but like feeling that different and like accidentally ostracized I switched to like cheese and ham sandwiches and that was just what I ate until high school and then I was like cooking more but it was definitely I felt alone a lot of that time and then like coming home and like not getting to dive into that more and like I've talked about it with my parents since and I know that on my dad's side like when they were in the Philippines it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like great and so I feel like coming to the U.S. was like this land of opportunity and they didn't leave like who they were behind but I feel like they really wanted to dive into the American culture yeah which I've also heard from a lot of my other friends who are like first generation um living here and so I feel like giving them grace in that, but then also I've been trying to like nudge more and like ask more questions about like, what was it like? I know that we cook like this food. I feel like all Filipino food, somebody made a joke that like, oh, you're having Filipinos at chicken, ginger and rice. And I'm just like, yeah, some variation of that. And so like talking about that with them and like, it's, it's been a very eye opening and more cut filling. I feel like getting to dive into it and explore it with my parents again, yeah. which has been really cool. Um, so even though growing up in Bluffton, you said it was kind of a pretty homogenous environment, not very diverse. Did, did you grow up with a, a, a good support structure? Like, did your family have a pretty good, you know, like, was it an extended family or sort of group of close friends? Did you have a lot of support around you? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of my mom's family is in Bluffton still. And a lot of my godparents were like in Decatur or surrounding cities. So I definitely grew up like getting to see people who look like me, who were of the same culture and supporting me in that way. I mean, I think we all adapt to wherever we are. So 
I have like chosen family that I've found in Bluffton. Um, I have a grandma, Lynn, no blood relation. We look nothing alike, but she is 98 and one of the most excited people to be at an engagement party in a few weeks. I do think that like as humans, we adapt to wherever we are. And so like I have close friends from school and though we're all from different backgrounds or they might be from more similar backgrounds, I think as we got older, we were able to find more to celebrate in all of us being different. Is there, it's clear, you know, you have a passion for storytelling and for telling people, telling people's stories and really, and are there, were there early experiences like in school or growing up in Bluffton that might've predicted that, you know, you'd start a magazine or you'd, you know, um, step into the role you have with, with um, big brothers, big sisters, things where you could kind of point made, it may have predicted the future. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every, almost every girl, I feel like when The Devil Wears Prada came out was like, oh, I want to be like that. I want to rule an office. I want to be part of the fashion world and like some really cool, high level way. And I remember watching that and I thought that was so cool. And um, I never, I actually never wanted to start a business. So it's kind of funny that I ended up starting a business. To me, it just seemed very overwhelming and intimidating. But in high school, I... I mean, from a very young age, I've had a lot of leadership characteristics, and obviously they've, like, developed more as I've gotten older, but I I never did yearbook, so it honestly is kind of like a surprise to everyone, including me, that it happened, but it aligns with, like, my side of creativity, and then even with Big Brothers Big Sisters, I mean, I've always had a connection to them, and part of my story with Big Brothers Big Sisters was that in third grade, I had a friend whose mom passed away, and this woman started coming to have lunch with us. And I remember asking her, I was like, who is this woman? And why does she keep bringing us Subway sandwiches? Like, it's cool, keep it up, but like, who is she? And she said that her dad got her a big sister. And that was like my first um, exposure to it. And so it was a really cool, it was a really cool program. And I remember being in third grade and everyone knew that her mom had passed away, but no one really knows how to deal with grief at that age or knows how to like be there for each other. And so I remember as I got older, I, something else brought it back into my life. And when I was 16 and a half and I got my driver's license, I remember driving up to the office in Fort Wayne and being like, hi, I'd like to be a big, I had a friend who had a big when she was younger and it was really cool. And obviously I was 16. So they were like, you're still a child to us. So you can be like a volunteer, like a first friend. And so I stayed involved with them until I moved down to IUPUI and I got a hold of like the central Indiana location. And so I got to be a big while I was in college, which was a really cool experience. I got to be a big for a little who had a similar background to me and having come from that experience of not having other people like in my school or whatever that looked like me that I could look up to regularly. It meant a lot to me to be matched with someone who had like the same cultural background as me. Yeah. So do you feel like, do you feel like now, and we'll get into both the magazine and Big Brothers, Big Sisters, but do you feel like, um, well, because when you got the, when you got this leadership position at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, I thought, I wondered from afar, oh, does this mean that, you know, she won't be doing more magazine anymore, but now, but sorry, the way you describe it now, it's sort of a bridge, it seems like, between, uh, between sort of two worlds. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, it's definitely a bridge. I mean, as director of marketing outreach, I'm, working in the community to connect with other organizations to help further a mission that like we all have and that's empowering tomorrow's leaders and our our community's youth and so I had looked at the job after starting the magazine because I was wanting to have more of that community-based mission-driven 
um, work every day in my life. And so when I saw the job, I was like, this feels so well aligned. And so much of the magazine's mission and so much of Big Brothers Big Sisters' mission, they go together. And so many of the organizations that I work with for the magazine also want to get involved in a meaningful way in the community. And Big Brothers Big Sisters has such an amazing brand authority and trust in the community. It's always very easy to share that I'm working with them and you can be involved too. And so they definitely go very well hand in hand. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to sort of your, you know, high school experience in Bluffton and then you go straight from high school to IUPUI. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. And then, and that, so it would have been your first experience living in Indianapolis. Um, and, um, did you, did you know it? Uh, because I'll just tell you, you know, my first two years of college, I kind of bounced around. I still wasn't clear. And I could actually, I probably didn't know. I probably didn't have clarity for like what I would want to do until later after that. Um, uh, in college, like, so clearly, you know, marketing and storytelling, and then your interest in fashion, this all makes sense. Were you pursuing that or did, were you going a different path in college? Yeah, I mean, in high school, I feel like senior year that everyone's asking, like, what are you going to do next? And it is really intimidating to kind of have to make a decision for like the foreseeable future and I remember I picked marketing it felt like the most broad I know I'm a people person I'm comfortable in sales so it felt broad enough that I could do a lot of different things with it and I really liked psychology and so I liked understanding why people think the way that they do why they buy what they buy and everything that goes into that and so I remember um, moving to IPY I didn't know anybody it was very exciting I was pumped to move somewhere that would just be a new chapter and I got into Kelly School of Business, which was amazing and such an awesome program. And I I never really changed. I never changed majors. I added on a bunch of stuff. I graduated with a degree in marketing, international studies, um, communications and economics. Things just kind of overlapped. And yep. I just wanted to keep learning about different things. And it worked out in a really awesome way. It's interesting because, again, you're of a generation, again, so like, like – um, 20, 30 years prior, IUPUI was more of a commuter campus. You're young enough, though, because, you know, it's it's clearly transformed. Um, and, like, the IUPUI today is very much an urban university. Was that part of the draw? For me, yeah, it definitely was. I had a friend's a friend of a friend, she was exploring IUPUI a few years ahead of us. And she talked about how when she did her campus visit, she was able to walk to downtown. And that to me sounded so fun. Um, having come from the Bay Area, we'd go to Sacramento regularly, we'd go to SF. Um, and so to be like back in a city that was still like in state because out of state tuition is nuts. Um, it was a huge draw. And knowing that there would be internships and different job opportunities downtown, that for me, I was like, well, why would I go to a school that's like far away from where I want to be afterwards and I can get yeah. to know the city? And so, yeah, it, it was a huge piece of it. And uh, that's what we did a lot of the time. We would finish classes and we'd walk down to the circle. We would go to a bunch of networking events that were downtown and we would scooter there between classes and scooter back. Yeah. One of the... I'm skipping ahead, but it's like, cool. Let's see. When I met you, you were working for an art gallery. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. And you had founded more magazine. And, um, again, I want to, I want to dig into this a little bit more because, you know, you, you mentioned kind of where the seeds of your interest in fashion, you know, got planted when you were younger, but it feel like with more magazine, I think the thing that, um, uh, you know, really caught my attention was, it's it's high fashion, but it's kind of got a DIY spirit to it. And then and then I'll say the um, 
the women that are profiled and the models, very inclusive. I mean, racially, you know, body type, everything. It's like all it's, it's really, um, and it makes it really, really interesting. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to learn, you're going to read the stories and learn about people you might not otherwise know. Um, how did, how did that, how did that come about? Yeah. I mean, I think especially in marketing that brands are very much applauded for being body inclusive and racially inclusive and I think a lot of us who are now stepping into these decision-making roles are like, well, why don't we just like normalize it? So for us, it really is just part of it. It's the people that we're talking to, if they want to be shown in the magazine after writing it, then they get to do that. And I want the magazine to be reflective of everyone reading it. I want someone to be able to read a magazine and say, I see myself in at least one person. That, to me, is really important. And I was talking with another friend who founded Sustain the Mag out of Texas, and hers is focused solely on sustainability. And so we were talking about it, and, like, coming into the publishing space, magazine space, we felt that, like, a lot of magazines that are out there, and this is partly why I started it, because I thought about working for just another magazine, but there wasn't a magazine that I felt was socially conscious or had a social responsibility that they were held accountable for that was also high fashion like it is kind of a weird like when people think thrifting for example they think like grungy whatever yes and now it's like transformed in like this whole almost its own separate industry in my mind of like fashion and so with our magazine i wanted it to be meaningful and intentional content while maintaining like a high bar of delivery. And so all of our sets are beautifully created. Um, We work with incredible, incredible creatives in Indianapolis. And we also, we had our first writer from outside of the U.S. And so it's grown. And I think because it came from a time when all of us were online, it grew much faster than what I anticipated it growing. And more stands for? Making opportunities reachable for everyone. And what was, what was the jumping off point when you were like, when you were like, okay, I'm doing the magazine. What, 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 what happened? What was that? Yeah. Um, it honestly happened in a very short amount of time. A lot of my friends describe me as a person that if I want to do something, then we're doing it. Yep. And I remember I had the idea during women's history month, 2020 and girls, girls, girls media put out this video about women and all the different things were expected to be like glamorous, but natural and curvy, but skinny and all these different things that you can't be at the same time. And so I remember talking with one of my friends and I was like, I'd love to do a visual story depicting this. Maybe it's like half of the side is one thing and half of it is another thing. And as we were going through it, I was like, well, why don't we share like each woman's story alongside her visual piece? And the more we kept talking about it, the more I was like, well, this just sounds like an like a magazine with a bunch of articles like together. And so I kind of sat on it for two or three days. I ran it by a couple people and I was like, okay. So let's do it. And it kind of just took off from there. It Obviously, in March 2020, we didn't know what was going to happen. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, we'll start it this month and let's put it out in May after Women's History Month so that the conversation keeps going. But we didn't launch until October because it just, the world kind of, you know, did its thing. Yeah. And we just got to build and build on top of that first issue. And now it's kind of what we do every time. It's exciting. Can you get for people who know nothing about magazine publishing, myself included, get it? Give us a little bit of a behind the curtain look at the process and like 
what what's you know what what's that like because because i mean for me by the time by the time it gets to i'm some sitting here with issue four um of more magazine and you said issue five the women's issue is coming out um, in october October. it's like when so for somebody like me you get to the the um the printed issue and it's almost like magic you know what i mean so give us give us a little bit of behind the scenes what what's what's the process like of pulling it all together Yeah, well, I can definitely talk about issue five since that's coming up and we're kind of in the middle of that process right now. And so each each issue has a different theme. So issue four in front of us is focused on sustaining. And that came from just a lot of conversations about sustainability and what it really is. It's sustaining your sense of self. It's a sustainable fashion. It's the green side of it. It's sustainable economies a lot of different things. And so we wanted to like take that word back. And so we came up with a lot of topics. And so as we looked at issue five, um, our fall issue was always our women's issue. And so last year it was women and culture. The year before it was celebrating women. So this year, really trying to think what specifically about women would we want to highlight. And the Maven space recently opened and I've been on the board for Indie Maven for a few years now. And it's a really cool space because there's so many different women at different points in their life that come together and different conversations that come from that having all these different life perspectives and so I remember I was actually just sitting at the office and I was like we should do one on generations and so issue five is going to be focused on women and generations and every article is going to have a perspective from our writer depending on what age they're they are and then they will interview somebody between 10 and 20 years older or younger than them and so really taking quite literally the different perspectives from different ages and putting it together to shed light on how different topics are viewed. And so with that, I I had a few ideas off the top of my head, but I also opened it up and we get, as we've grown, we get a lot of submissions for ideas and people who want to write or have an idea for a visual story. And so then we kind of just work with our community to fine tune them. And granted, they don't always come to life for whatever reason. Um, we have 10 right now, but it might move to nine after today. Ten, like 10 contributors? Um, 10 or articles. Ten, oh, 10 articles mm-hmm. for the fifth issue. Okay, got it. Yeah, got it. so it, it definitely varies. But once we have the topics figured out, then the writers are able to kind of do their outline. Um, some of them want to be more involved. Some of them want to be less involved with like the visual set. And so we'll reach out to our community of creatives and see who might want to photograph something. What speaks to them? And a lot of photographers and models and designers have their different um, social missions that really that they really champion. And so depending on that, I reach out to them. So I reached out to Bethany Quinn for this upcoming issue because she does boudoir photography, but she really focuses on the empowerment that comes from it. Yeah. And so she's going to be working with us on a piece for that. And so it really it depends on each issue, but it all comes together very organically. And I think... That's part of how issue one happened in the time frame that it did because everything just fell into place yeah. very organically. So I'm even going to go deeper into the process. So I'm going to, I'm going to draw a parallel and this may not be totally so, cause I know nothing about this, but it's like, so like for me, like, like producing a song or a record for me, there are parts of the process doing it this long that I'm pretty proficient with, you know, arranging and I have played multiple instruments with decent proficiency and things like that. But like, so for me, like, Lyric writing is an Achilles heel. I almost always need help with that. And then like mastering like the final, like the final 5%, I always need help with what so you, cause you do a lot of things. Cause I know that about you, you know, you, you're engaged in a lot of different parts of the process. What are, what are parts of the pro, are there parts of the process like that producing the magazine, like where you need to bring in technical expertise that does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, 
I, I know that I like writing, but it's not something I want to do. And so that was a piece that I was like, I know people who write. And so that's continued to be something that I let other people just do it because I know they're better at it. And I know that it would never get done if I were to do it. Um, I do the magazine layouts. And so that for me is like my favorite thing is bringing it all together. Um, I'm a very collaborative person. So being able to like physically bring images and words and stories and voices together um, fills my cup. I know that, I mean, the printing side of it, I remember with issue one, I wasn't even planning to print. And I was like, maybe two or three years from now, we'll start printing. And so we launched in October. And between October and November, we got so many asks for a hard copy. And so I worked with this woman-owned business. Um, she was in Canada. And we ended up having hard copy, hard copies available by January that all went out. But, I mean, even that process. So, I mean, maybe the vendor side is something that, like, I've learned how to better navigate. That one... And I mean, the first run is always the hardest. I think of anything that you do for the first time. I remember um, she sent like the wrong quote and it had doubled and we had already taken pre-orders. And so it's just like navigating that for the first time on my own and being like, okay, this is like twice the money. Either I need to come up with it or like we need to yeah. refer back to the contract that we signed. And I remember the night before we launched it and like mailed them out, I was sitting in our guest room printing it on our like home printer and I had put the wrong date of shipment. And so I was, like, calling USPS at, like, 2.30 in the morning and trying to figure that out. But, I mean, I think everything is challenging. But, like you said, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And so I know for me, like, writing and, like, doing the actual photography and different pieces like that, I would rather leave that to people who live and breathe it every day. And I just help make it happen. Yeah. Um, giving feedback to creative people is something I struggle with, right? <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed now to have, again, a lot of music projects going but I still, I think, I mean, you know, if I lived another 50 years, I don't think I would ever get totally comfortable, you know, when, when someone has a creative vision or they've really, they, they've, they've worked on something and, and it's just not right. Or you need to give feedback and you need them to sort of edit it or things like that. Is that, do you have any wisdom there? I'm, I'm so I'm imagining that's just a part of the process when you've got a magazine, you've got a lot of different contributors, you know, contributing a lot of different types of stories. Yeah, I mean, I think about it a lot in the same way as I think about relationships, because I mean, whether you know someone really well or you're working with them, it's all a relationship of some sort. And so I think about how I would want to communicate it to my friends. How would I want to communicate to my partner that mm, this just isn't quite there yet? And so, yeah, it's definitely just become part of the process on my end. I The most recent example I can think of is one of our interns. She really wants to get into writing, but she just quite isn't there yet. And so when she does submit things and We've been experimenting with more like regularly shared blogs on our website and long form content on LinkedIn and different things like that. And so right now we're working through a piece and again, it's her first time doing it. So we said at the beginning, I was like, all right, so we're going to try this and it's going to take some time to get it to where we want it to be. And so I remember even thinking today I had to send her feedback on it and I was like, this is, this is hard. Cause like, she's, you don't want to, you don't want to kill her dream. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. but and so I'm like, I think, and I, it's also like trying to figure out like if they're in their own head about it, especially if it's their first project yep. or I've worked with photo photographers who it's their first time doing a creative project in a long time, but it's something they want to get back into. And so I think just communicating with it and sharing maybe 
something that you saw from them already that was really inspiring and so maybe like trying to pull from like their past inspiration of like what made you want to work with them in the first place that's something I do a lot um or really walking through like what is what is our why for this like why are we writing this right now what do we like need to focus on and do we feel like we're focusing on that and I mean that I mean that translates into so many different parts of my life I feel like even I mean with my partner, like, sometimes I'm mad about something, and he's like, are you really mad about that, or, like, is it something else? And it's like, mm, maybe it's something else. Totally. And so then it's like, it's not even related to, like, the two of us. It's the heat or something silly. Totally. Um, there's, um, because, uh, you know, it's like, you don't want to kill that person's dream, mm-hmm. but now it's like, now I've got enough life experience to know now, and I, I, this is still a hard lesson for me to learn, it's like, it's like at 46, it's like, if I want to get good at something, I need reps. There's no, there literally are no shortcuts. You know, mm-hmm. even with this amazing technology, I'm imagining all this technology to, you know, produce a magazine and stuff like that. It's like, there's still no, there's no shortcuts on, you know, writing something that really delivers or, you know, right. with, with all the, with the, you can have the, um, the newest, uh, camera, um, you know, it's, it's just the, the, just this whole idea that there's no shortcuts. And now I'm at a point in my life where we've got a lot of young people working here and it's like, you want to, you want to feed their, um, that you want to, you want to encourage the dream, but, and I don't want to sound like the guy who's saying, get off my lawn, you know, but it's just <laughs> like, I just want to say to people, it's like, you're really talented, but you just need to keep, stay at it and just the, get the reps in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen like this TikTok sound like practice makes perfect and it's not practice makes perfect, but it is like, it's a journey and like you, it's very hard for anyone to just wake up and be good at something. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think now, like there's nothing wrong with like asking for feedback or asking for help. I remember in college, I started asking for feedback on my interviews for internships. And like, that was a huge door opener. Like people would say, no one's ever asked us about that. And then I would either get really good feedback and I remember a few times I got offered a different position and so I feel like when you open yourself up for feedback for that growth and think of it as growth and not criticism it helps you in the long run as well that's really wise I mean it's real it's it's really like take like receiving critical feedback and I'm still not comfortable with it you know but taking it as that Mm -hmm. because yeah I mean now that I think about it I mean the critical feedback is is actually the critical feedback has more information than if somebody just comes and pats you on the back and says, great job, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I know with my team at Big Brothers Big Sisters, every time we do a project, when we debrief, we're like, okay, like, what did we do really well? And like, what could we have done better on? Yep. And it's not saying that like it went poorly, but it's like, there's always room to improve and there's always that room to grow. And I think like as leaders, like bringing that conversation to the table in a space that like feels like it's okay if there's like a long list of things we could have done yep. better. It's just more that we can do next time. So it, both in um, publishing and in fashion, it does attract a lot of, um, in some cases, elitist thinking, maybe kind of snobs, maybe I think of, you know, too cool for school kind of things. And you don't come across as any of those things. You come across as more of an egalitarian, you know. Oh, good. But I was I, worried about where no, that was going. <laughs> well, because it's not, well, it's not, you know, like more is not necessarily what people expect because, you know, I mean, fashion is brutal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, and so do you, and like, you've kind of, again, put a, put a flag in the ground saying we're going to do something that's high fashion, but it's going to be very grassroots and very inclusive too. So do you ever feel like you're like pushing back or pushing against sort of kind of snobbery or anything like that? Um, not too much. I feel like sometimes when people hear that I own a magazine, I see like 
they look at me like, oh, you own a magazine. And then I'm like, yeah, but like, we're people. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people will think that and I can kind of see it go through their heads, like maybe like, oh, surprised or like in Indianapolis and different things like that. But I think especially as you've talked about, like there's this younger generation that's coming up and I feel like more people just want to see real people in more of these positions and putting out content like this, that it's kind of normalizing itself almost because there's just more people looking for that. My, I'm not, I'm not going to psychoanalyze you, but now, so now my theory is that you're, (laughs) you were grounded in a very much kind of family um, culture, you know, and that, and that's, and that's, so that's sort of your, your kind of family culture coming out in the way you produce the magazine and the way you sort of approach relationships. Is that yeah, I think that would be fair to say. I know um, in those psychology classes I mentioned, we do talk a lot about, like, um, culture and how, like, especially Asian and, like, Hispanic culture, it's very collective. It's very much, like, together. And so, yeah, definitely growing up with that, I feel that a lot more than being one for everyone. If you look at our logo, um, it has two lines splitting the M, and they're both running parallel to one another and both growing in the same direction. And that was really intentional. That was like the one thing that I asked for to be in this design because I wanted it to be that we are all growing together at the same time. And there's no intersection. There's no competing. Wherever you're at on your journey is where you're at and we're here to grow with you. Interesting. Well, speaking of growth, I think a couple of years ago, you made a decision to um, accept this position with big brothers, big sisters. And I didn't realize till today that you had, you know, that, um, you had a relationship with the organization going back to, you know, when you were a teenager, um, how, how did that opportunity come about? Was that something you were talking about for a long time or did it just, is it something that sort of happened very fast? Um, it happened pretty fast. I saw the listing, um, I actually saw a listing for a different job there. And so it wasn't until I went to their website and saw the job that I have now, um, that I even knew it was up. Um, again, I am very much a person who's like, if I'm thinking about doing it, then I probably want to do it. And I've been very fortunate to have a job after college that I've always, always enjoyed. I've had several friends who are like maybe on their fourth or fifth job and we graduated like three years ago. And so I feel very fortunate that like working at Long Sharp Gallery, it was a space where I got to grow and I felt heard. And so when I saw this position, it felt like a really natural next step, especially with the magazine growing and wanting to have more of that community based um, work more often and integrated into my life. And so it, it truly like I feel like a lot of things in my life. I wish I had more of a strategy <laughs> um, in doing things for my personal and career side, but like it, it felt right. And I very much trust my instincts and I trust when I feel something like that. And so, yeah, I remember meeting Darcy and hearing how she led and I was just really excited to be part of that team there. Yep. By the way, I probably, our personality profiles probably have some overlap because I'm the same. Like I haven't, I've never had a long-term career plan. It's more been just a regular sort of asking myself, you know I mean? Is, um, is where where I am now, does that, is that in alignment with my values, you know, yes or no. And it's sort of like, like that. So I, like my, in the last 20 years, I wouldn't, if I had put, if I had put like a 20 year plan together, I would have gone way off the path, you know, so I'm the same right. way. So I tried really hard in high school. And I meant to say this earlier, I did try to set like a life plan for myself. I wanted to come to IEPY. I wanted to graduate from there. I wanted to join the Peace Corps and travel for several years. I had this vision of meeting like the love of my life around 26 in some foreign country. Um, and then getting married at like 28, 27 and settling down somewhere. And 
like none of that happened. I stayed in Indy after college. Um, I met my partner on Mass Ave, not an exotic country overseas. And I never wanted to start a company. It was so scary to me. And so it's really funny. And I feel like that's why you can make a plan, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. That's so right. like people ask all the time, and I don't know how you answer this question, but they're always like, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? And I'm like, I just want to be happy. I see myself doing something that I love and that I enjoy and being surrounded by people that want the same. I'm saying, I'm like, I'm like, hopefully in a role where I'm making a contribution to the community and making music. And that's like, as far as I can think, but, but, but I think, but that still provides, Mm -hmm. you know, like for what you just said, that still provides a direction. Exactly. And it kind of, I mean, that thought for me, like grounds myself because I'm like, do I feel like I'm doing what I should be doing? And when I ask that question, if the answer is no, then it's like, okay, then we need to like change something. You're on the more on the extrovert side of the coin, right? Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I used to be heavy there. I'm still probably like 55, 45 extrovert, but it is interesting. And then, and it's interesting as you get older, some of your, um, I think personality traits, I don't know if they change, but I've read that they, you can, they kind of revert to the middle. So if you're heavily extroverted, it'd be interesting in 20 years, if you're more, you know, leaning toward the back toward introvert. I don't know. Yeah. I'm very curious. Um, I had a group of girlfriends together a few months ago and they were all sharing how they knew me because they were all from like different friend groups of mine. I love bringing people together who don't know each other. It's so much fun. Love that. And, um, I was like, how do we all know me? Cause no one else was talking and they all were sharing. And one of my friends that I've known since like first grade, she's like, I can honestly say that Ariana is the exact same as when I met her in first grade. <laughs> she has not changed. She says what she's thinking. She's very kind. And when she wants something, she's going to get it. Yeah. And so like, I kind yeah. of hope that like at least those pieces of me continue to stay the same. Um, even with the extroverted introverted, I, I yeah. thought like after um, the last few years I would want to stay in more and, like, I am tired because, I mean, I am doing a lot. There's no way around that. But even when I'm tired and I go to an event, I leave it feeling so energized and so excited. That's great. And so I hope that, like, that piece always stays. Yeah. For, for people who don't know, what is Big Brothers Big Sisters? I think a lot of people know, but if, in case they don't. Yeah, in case, in case you're out of the loop. Uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters is a youth-serving organization. We work to provide one-to-one mentoring services. So we pair an adult in the community with a little who's a youth in the community, and we offer them professional support. So once you're matched, you have someone that's helping you, the family, and the little as you continue this mentoring relationship and It's a really great program. As a previous big, I can say that it does not take as much time as you think. It's very eye-opening. It's very fun. And you get to see the city and explore life um, from a different perspective with someone who looks up to you. And um, from participating in one of your events a couple months ago, and um, Darcy Palmer Schultz, right, CEO, um, I asked you and Darcy, I said, so what, what's been the effects of COVID? And you said there have been some challenges. And when I asked what the wait lists were for littles waiting to be paired with bigs, it was over a thousand, it was well over a thousand kids, right? Yeah, we have about 1400 youth who've been referred um, that are looking for mentors, but it's really exciting to see how many people want to work with us and help uplift that mission. And I think as we continue to kind of change that mindset of competing with other youth serving orgs and making it collaborative. Um, Not that the competition was ever strong before, but 
everyone in the community has like a mission that they're set out to do and realizing how similar a lot of our missions are like right now we work with 100 black men and so we share space with them and they share programming with some of our boys on the wait list and we work with the bloom project and other yep. organizations that are serving our youth and so i feel like the more that the city and the community continue to grow in that mindset the more of these kids will be able to serve and the more support that like everyone in our community will be able to feel like they have. I met um, somebody at your event a couple of months ago at the Maven space and I almost get emotional. Um, this woman came up and I thought she was going to say, you know, I, I've been with big brothers, big sisters, and I've been a big sister and stuff like that. She's an executive at Lilly. And she says, well, um, one of the main reasons I am where I am is because I was a little sister and I was like, gee, yeah, you know, it's just like just the um, I mean, it's it's like the and I know you have, but it's like I feel like those personal testimonials. I mean, like I feel like everyone has got a powerful story behind it. You know what I mean? And so where where I get emotional is it's just like thinking about 1400 kids. You, you know what I mean? Waiting, yeah. um, you know, so if you're listening to this uh, and I've 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 told Ariana and Darcy, the Huber family needs to follow up because we know we need to be doing something and we know, you know, it's like we have three kids, but I'd said you know, so if you're, if you're, you know, we, we love the Pacers and, you know, Colts and Indy 11, but it's like, well, we're already going, what's a sixth ticket? You know what I mean? Or just, you know, we have a, we now we're fortunate. We have a house where it's pretty easy to host people. You know what I mean? That's nothing, you know? So there's so many ways to be involved and we have tons of people who come to like our booths at events and they're like, I just don't know if I'm at the point right now in my life to do it. Right. And I totally hear that. And I respect that. You don't, you don't want to let a young person down, you know, so I can, exactly. un- I understand that impulse, you know, yeah. that fear, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, of course. And so I feel like even if you can't do it, I think like the power of referring someone else to do it yep. is so big. Like so many of our board members, we will get bigs and we'll meet them at events and they're like, Oh yeah. So-and-so referred me. He was a big, or he thought I'd be a great big. And that was really cool to me. So I signed yeah. up and, I think people are also like we have passed the torch and several other like very mentoring centered organizations. And I feel like even in businesses, there's more internal mentoring programs that are starting to pop up. And so the power of mentoring is so, so important, so strong. I know that for me, like I look back on the people who have impacted me and it wasn't a formal mentorship or anything like that, but I definitely looked up to them. And I know similarly, like I wouldn't be where I am today or as like grounded and confident in myself and capabilities if I hadn't had those people that I could have asked questions to. And, you know, again, just in my, um, I had, I had a few conversations again, and I I just say it because the, the um, event at Indy Maven is fresh in my mind, but Mm -hmm. um, talked to a couple of big, they're both women, professional women, big sisters in this case, and both of them, separate conversations, different di- expressed it in different words, but the same idea, and that is you get engaged because you think you've got something to offer this person, but the gift you get in return, you, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you might get into it. It's not, it's not some kind of a charity exercise because the gift you get in return and really understanding um, this young person's circumstances and seeing the world through his or her eyes mm-hmm. is much greater than what you put into it. You know, that really resonated with me. Yeah, and I feel like that's also a big piece of like big brothers, big sisters, like mission and their statement and how they communicate. I mean, I, when I first started, I like dove into the brand guide cause that's what I'm doing. And I love, I love that piece of it. And I remember reading through it and it was so, so intentional about saying that we defend, ignite and empower potential that is already within these kids in the community. You're not 
bringing them something they never had. You're not creating something within them, but you are a person who's helping enable all these beautiful, creative, and different thoughts that they have and giving them a space where they're able to, like, explore it. And I definitely hear that from so many bigs that, like, as they come to these mentoring relationships, they are learning and growing themselves as they interact with this little who is teaching them and growing them in ways that they didn't know. What's, what's, um, are there, are there, uh, generational differences in like, like 20 somethings today and how, how you might reach 20 somethings today differently than maybe how the program would have reached people in my generation, you know, 20 years ago, are there, are there, are there trends or, you know, shifts that you see? I mean, one of the things I see, and I'm, I'm gonna, this is an unscientific (laughs) survey, but it's like our, our millennials and I guess it'd be Gen Z employees here, um, on average, um, they're much more community minded. I don't know where that comes from, but, and they're, and then they're also more, um, uh, I'm going to say multifunctional, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a lot more of a, um, it's a, it's a lot more of a versatile kind of, I do this, but I also do this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of the harder to pigeonhole, you know, it's cool, but, but right. in terms of inter what I, what I don't know is how, how do you, do you have to use different, strategies to reach you know younger people than you would have yeah um so many thoughts going through my head right now thinking about the different segments and everything like that and I remember I had an internship at the Peace Learning Center when I was in college which is another amazing organization yeah Tim Nation Mm -hmm. amazing um and I was on the communication side and I was talking with our director of volunteer engagement there and she said we've had so many people sign up and while they're not on the gift-giving side, they're giving so many hours. And so I think that's definitely a piece of kind of what you're speaking yeah, to. They, don't have, uh, they, haven't, they haven't accumulated the financial wealth mm-hmm. yet, but they're really generous for yeah. time. Yeah. And they're willing. I think yeah. that so much of my generation and Gen Z, we're all very willing to help, and we want to be part of this next chapter for yeah. here and everywhere. But, like, if we can't do it financially, then we'll do it with, like, the manpower and the time. And so people often ask me and like my team, like, what is your ideal big? And we're like, honestly, just someone who has time and who cares and wants to be involved because it's hard to even pigeonhole our volunteer base. I mean, we have volunteers who are retired and so they have just more free time on their hands. And so they want to be involved again in the community. And we also have young professionals. We do have people who have kids at home just at different points in their lives. And so while we can definitely segment um, our audiences and reach people in different ways. It's really just trying to meet them where they are in their journey and then sharing like what's feasible for them and like the support that they'll have. Cause I think that that's always the biggest, um, the block for people is that they're not sure if they're going to be able to do it or if they think they're a good enough mentor. But at the end of the day, we could all be mentors. We all have influence. Yeah. We all have impact. And sometimes you just have to be reminded of that. Yeah. So it seems like this, you know, I, I think um, for a lot of people, they'd join an organization like this. Obviously, it's a demanding job. There's a tremendous amount of need for youth out there. And it seem, for a lot of people, it might maybe take away some of the energy that they'd have to produce a magazine. It seems like for you, that's been the opposite. Yeah, it's, again, I'm very extroverted and I love being around people. And there's so much intersectionality between the magazine and Big Brothers Big Sisters. And so it's very natural to work on both of them together. They're both working towards this brighter tomorrow and so many people want to be part of it. So yes, it's a lot of work. I will give myself that credit. 
I do a lot of things, but I also know that someday I won't have to do as many things and I will have helped other people kind of like be set up to do more of that work and yeah. be more involved and have more opportunities to make that happen. Yeah. What, I, what, what's so cool. One of the things so cool about more magazine, it's like, it's like it showcases a side of Indianapolis that I want more people to see and know about. And, and of course the common thread of this show is Indianapolis. So I, I, I can't let you escape without asking you about, you know, you kind of your thoughts and aspirations for Indianapolis. Let me see if this makes it easier because I want to I want to ask you to be I want to ask you just to be as, you know, direct, you know, possibly critical as possible. You know, um, not being from here, but living here 20 years and being married to a Californian who's been here for 15, who's Middle Eastern descent. It's like there's all there's things that we love about the city. Um, We know that there is a Midwestern conservatism, which has positive and negative attributes. Um, you know, there's a lot of ambition here. We don't have, it doesn't have the national pull of like, you know, Denver or Nashville. It doesn't, but in many ways is competitive with those cities. And one of the things I love about more magazine is it's becoming a much more diverse city, especially in the last 20 years. And those are stories that I'm part, I'm, you know, I'll take responsibility. We don't, we're not, we're not as aggressive enough in telling, you know, um, do you agree? And then, uh, but I, I'm, I'm saying this too, to invite you to be critical if I'm, if you think I'm wrong or just if there, if there are things that you're really keyed in on that you love or things that may, you want to change. Yeah. I mean, I think the dialogue is always like what, what can be different. And I feel like sometimes there's not enough conversation about like what we do really well. And with Indi- Indianapolis Arts Council and Gang Gang, like we are starting to do art really well in a very inclusive public way I mean almost every Jiffy Lube now has art on it which is so cool and so I feel like especially moving from a very rural area to Indianapolis like that for me I felt like I was more seen being here than being there and of course that's comparative because if I were to have moved from the Bay Area straight to Indianapolis it would it's still lacking in a few different ways Um, but I think the biggest thing that I would love to see in Indy is more public transportation that's easier to get to maybe. I know that a lot of, there's been so much progress with like the red line and Indigo. I also think there's been a lack of like people knowing exactly how to use it. I know that in college, a few of my friends, we wanted to use Indigo, but no one wanted to do it first and no one wanted to like try it on their own. And so like that's, I mean, it's a scary thing to do something like that, especially when it's like a literal vehicle taking you somewhere and you have to figure out how to get off and get off at the right place. But with the red line, it's very simple. It's a straight line, hard to mess that one up. And so that for me, like I started using that once it came into play. And as we have more people moving here into our city, because I think that while we're not the same as Denver or Chicago or other places like that, we are very affordable. And I, that's a huge draw, especially for younger professionals and people who are looking at like the rest of their lives. Like, where do I want to live? Because you can live in Indianapolis and then you can still go to other places just because you live here. doesn't mean you can't explore still. There's something you just said that made me think there's okay. There's something here that I want to believe is a strength, but I want you to push back if you think I'm wrong. And that is like, I don't know. It's like the, there's a culture here that is um, participatory like it could get more diverse and open-minded and you're helping people a lot to do, you know, the community to do that. But it's like, it's like, you know, neither you're not from here. I'm not from here. My wife's not from here. Two thirds of the staff here at Indy Chambers not from here. And it's like, it's like, 
I've never felt like there were provincial barriers to getting engaged. Now, again, I'm a white male, right? So, you know, you have a very different story, but I have felt like, you know, if I was trying to do something, nine out of 10 people take that meeting here. And so now I've, I've been conditioned where, um, and to, to an extent where it, 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 you know, stresses out my schedule and your schedule and mm-hmm. everything like that. But it's like, I always take that meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I remember how, tr- how people treated me, you know what I mean? When yeah. I, when I didn't know anybody, I want to believe that that, that that is who we are. And cause like I said that I'm just, I was, I've always been so impressed. You were just like, I'm Ariana Cruz. Here's an issue of more magazine. And it's like, <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. I do is do you, do you think, do you, is that, is that accurate? Cause I, cause I think in so many other cities that maybe have more cultural, you know, cachet, it's not as participatory. It's not as open, you know? Yeah. I definitely think it's hit or miss. And I don't know if it's that Midwest hospitality or the Hoosier hospitality, um, or if it's like this mindset shift, because I feel like over the last few years, I had so many virtual informational meetings with people in Indianapolis, but also a lot of people across the country. And then as things have opened back up, I've reached out to like more people that I went that are part of the IU alumni network. And so that's before I felt like I didn't quite get as much as many replies, honestly. Um, But I feel like because we're coming out of this time where we weren't as connected, people want to be connected. And so people are just more willing to do that. Maybe they're stressed out for a while during COVID. And then Mm -hmm. now, and when you talk about reaching out to people, is this kind of across the board, it's more magazine and big brothers, big sisters, just in general? I think so. I mean, for me, a lot of my outreach was more for like personal growth and I'm just a curious person. So if I see someone doing something, I'm like, how did you come to this? And like, does it make you happy? And how did you get there? Um, But I think in Indianapolis, while I appreciate you saying that like it has been a little bit easier for you to get involved in different ways. I also think that a lot of what you do and what you're able to do sometimes is what you make of it. I've had some friends come to visit or maybe they're from Indy, but they're going to like IU Bloomington and they're like, well, there's just nothing in India in, uh, in Indy. And I'm like, well, where have you gone? And they're like, well, nowhere. And I'm yeah, like, right. well, like spend a weekend with me, like let's just explore. Yeah. And there are so many things. And I think I had this conversation earlier today with somebody and maybe this is something that Indy could explore doing more, but I, I look for it. So I also don't know what it's like to not be looking for things. And it's making sure that while you're creating events and creating opportunities for people to be engaged, that that opportunity is known and accessible. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes there's not even – a way to find out how to get there, how to be invited to that table. And so I feel like there are some areas that still kind of have their blockades up, but they want people to know about it after the fact. Yeah. And I think that that's something that maybe as a community, we could work to be better about. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, you know, there is, it is, you mentioned the Hoosier hospitality, you know, we're not great. We're, we're too polite a lot of the time. Like we're not great at like staring people down, you know, and, and, and sort of, and that's one thing about the magazine. It's like, you have some really challenging content in there. So I feel like you, you know, you don't pull punches, like I said, on issues that can, that, that impact politics, you know, gender and sexuality and things like that. But, but like I said, you know, earlier in the conversation, so you're not pulling punches, but you're also, um, 
you're also trying to point to, hey, our community could be different. Mm -hmm. You know know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, part of making opportunities reachable for everyone is that we curate content that is meant to educate and inspire, and then from those two things, call you to action in some kind of way. And I remember one of our most read and most talked about articles from last year's women's issue was the period poverty piece because it's something and a lot of these topics are topics that you don't necessarily know about until you're in it and if you're in it then you probably really don't want to talk about it with other people and I think why more has resonated so well with so many people is that we're talking about things that are harder to approach and maybe no one else wants to bring it up because they're like well maybe I'm the only person who feels this way We also had an article that was about being a first-generation woman and financial literacy. I just started my first, like, investment portfolio. I don't know a ton about it, but I have someone helping me with it. Yeah. You were 15 years ahead of me, by the way, so congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Well, coming from, like, my cultural background, I mean, both sides of my family, they, like, moved from different countries. They had to learn, like, a whole new financial system. And so it was just not something that we talked about growing up. If you wanted to make money, you had to save, and yeah. that was it. And it, like, I, I promise under my auntie's mat, there's probably, like, cash in there because she doesn't know, like, how to, like, make it work for her and different things like that. And so, like, for a long time, I was really embarrassed about it. And, like, in high school, you have, like, one class where you get 100 fake dollars to invest in whatever, and then that's really it. And there's not much more on fa- financial literacy And it wasn't until I met my current partner whose family talks about it more that I got to explore that side more. And I never wanted to ask questions because I was just like, I guess I'll figure it out later. And so I reached out in a Facebook group and it's women seeking fire. And I just posed the question, like, is anyone a first generation woman here? And what has your financial literacy journey been like? And it was so many women who said, like, they had no idea until they were, like, 30s or 40s. And these different things because just no one talks about it. Yeah, right. Interesting. Um, you, you you said earlier, like, when people ask me, that, what's your five-year plan? But I'm going to ask you what your five-year plan is for the magazine. <laughs> what yeah. it was, if you could, you know, if you could, if you could grow um, you know, the audience and grow the readership and what, where, what, what would that uh, look like? If resources were no option, what would that right, be? Right, yeah. I mean, I would love to continue offering space to more interns and more creatives, of course, but the internship program that we have is really developed, and that, for me, has been something I didn't expect. I didn't plan on it, um, but it makes so much sense. I, I mean, you know, you said earlier, like, when you initially were trying to make these calls and get your foots in doors, like, the doors were shut. And for me, like, getting your first college internship is so hard because they want you to have experience that you can't get because no one will give you that chance. And so we specifically only hire um, students in college who are either freshmen, so normally like they're freshmen spring semester or they're rising sophomores because we want to be that stepping stone for them and we want to give them that chance to really build and grow themselves. And so all of our interns, they get mentoring minutes with me each week and then they also get to build a portfolio. And so we're working with them to be like, what do you want in this portfolio? Because we'll make it happen so that you can have what you want for that next step. And so the basis of our interns is social media because that's just something I don't have the capacity for anymore. But outside of that, they get to explore whatever they want. So I have one who's really interested in email campaigns. So she's taken over our email campaigns and grown it tremendously. We have one who's really interested in PR And so she's gotten to practice writing press releases and reaching out to media and trying to 
put all of that together for us. And so it's, for me, like growing that for them, I mean, it includes growing some of our clientele because with the magazine, we offer design work and branding help and different things like that. And so the interns, if they're interested in that, they get to be part of those projects. And so, I mean, continuing to grow what sustains the magazine is a big goal for me. But above all else, I think remaining grounded in our mission and what we're doing is where I just want to see us. I want to see us larger and reaching more people and connecting with more people, but remaining in that base of making opportunities reachable for everyone. And it feels like it's a, it's like, it's a community of people too, that you're growing too, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, it's like the, you know, the, the women you feature are part, are this connected group that like stays together as the thing grows. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And it's been really cool because I do this segment, um, it's called founder to founder. And so I, I interview female founders in a variety of industries. And so it's been really cool to even see those founders start to connect with one another. Yeah. Um, Lee Breton of House of Breton, they now work with Teresa of Mineralology out of Chicago and they were both interviewed and they refer clients to one another now, which is so cool. They're both in the wedding industry. One is more the garment side and one is the ring side. But it's it's been really cool to see how the people that we're choosing to connect with are also connecting with one another. Cool. Yeah, I mean, again, I know it's going to sound like mutual admiration society, but it's like you, you've you always had, you. every time I see you, there's this, you've got this very much like air of like generosity, you know what I mean? It's like very approachable, like literally anybody can come up and talk to you and that's just really, that's it's really cool. Um, yeah, okay, so, and I only have a couple more questions. You've been very generous with your time. How can people find out more about More Magazine? Yeah, you can learn how to seek more with us by going to moremagazine.org. Okay. Big brothers, big sisters. Again, I'm hoping that people, I'm hoping people listening to this will at least inquire, you know, at least get curious. You know, if you feel like, if you feel like there's, and you said it's not nearly as much time as you would anticipate and you get so much in return. So if people want to find out more about what that's like to be a big brother, big sister, you have big families too, right? We have big couples and big big friends. Big friends, big couples and big friends. Okay. Um, how can they find out more about um, Big Brothers Big Sisters? Yeah, they can go to bebigforkids.org. We have all of our information there. You can see what resources you have. And if you're not able to be a big right now, but maybe you have a space that we can share the opportunity with other people, we do lunch and learns. We host um, different community partners in our space to just share our mission. And then with the new office, we've been offering um, call-out meetings so you can come and just hear about it. And then see the space that you can bring your little in and kind of start to imagine what that relationship could look like. Yeah. Um, where do you get your kind of, where, where do you get inspired? And I'm talking, it could be people, it could be reading, it could be, so like if it's, if you get, you get to the end of the week and it's been a really taxing week, you know what I mean? Where, where do you, where do you, where do you draw your energy personally? That's such a hard question. I feel like my gut reaction to that is to say people, but I also recognize that we all need downtime and rest. And so I feel like since I've started making more time for my own rest, I am able to allow my thoughts to flow more freely because I feel like when I was going on and on and on for so long, even when I would be in quiet periods, my mind would still be going. And so now that I've like created more balance in my life, when I go on walks or if I'm driving somewhere, but I'm not rushing to get there and I can just enjoy the drive I feel like I've found more inspiration in those quiet moments, which is, that's something I feel like 
10 years ago, I would have never said because I like having a lot of noise in my head. But as I've gotten older, I've really grown to appreciate that quiet to reflect and just think through the things I don't really address. And there's a lot that comes from that. So walks on walks or is there like places in the outdoors that are particularly? Yeah, I, I live near Broad Ripple and Butler. So there's the Monon Trail that I love. There's the Canal Towpath. Yeah. I think just being outside, I, I love hiking and we have two dogs. And so it is so fun to just enjoy the day with them. Normally when it's not 94 degrees and hundred percent humidity, right. but, um, yeah, being outside. I love skies. We have several prints of different skies that I need to get framed, but I think it's beautiful that every day it's a different sky and it doesn't take away from how pretty it is or how pretty yesterday's was, but it's just another beautiful thing we get to witness. Final question. Um, advice for a person who's got a creative vision, and this could be a young person or it could be a middle-aged person like me or older. Got a creative, they've got a creative idea but they're just kind of stuck and maybe it's a little bit of fear, insecurity, whatever, like they can see it, but they can't quite get over that hurdle. Yeah. I would suggest to lean on people, lean on people and ask their opinion, ask what they think, ask, what would you do? I heard, um, or I interviewed Amanda Kingsbury and Leslie Bailey, um, towards the beginning of Indie Maven. And Amanda said, she's like, I heard a quote that said, be careful who you tell things to, because I think there is something very wise in that. And it's not a negative thing. See the look on your face. Yeah. But it's very much like, think about whose opinion you want. Yeah. Because it doesn't do you any good to ask somebody's opinion if you know they're not someone who champions for you and who isn't going to be thinking of what doors this could open for Don't you. Don't go to your most cynical friend. Exactly. Because pre- Yeah, right. Because that will be the person who talks you out of it. And so I think about that a lot. And I think that goes into, again, kind of my five-year plan for myself to surround myself with people that want to see me grow and want similar things that I want. And so think about the people that you're asking for feedback from and then ask for it. Because I think the more you talk about it, the more opinions you get. And that really sets you up for success. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Um, You have wisdom beyond your years, Ariana. (laughs) Thanks so much for taking the time. I'm really excited um, um, to um, dig into issue four of more magazine and then check out the women's issue this fall again. And I'm just, you know, you're, you're, you're very generous to Indie chamber. So I appreciate that. But I just, I think a lot of us are just really, um, just want to be along for the ride, you know, as you grow, um, the magazine and, um, you know, we also want to help you recruit a lot, a lot, a lot more, um, big brothers, big sisters. So, uh, thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.